Hello, Angel Muffins. I hope you're amazing today. I'm in a cap. Big news. I'm like, I just, I'm not vibing with it. I don't know how people pull caps off, but we're rolling with it. I'm deeply conscious of my ears, weirdly, in a cap. And my ears have never really been something that's like that deep. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, ears are just ears. But in this cap, I'm like, sorry, Shrek. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, second big news update of the day. Uh, I'm going for a run. (laughs) I can't actually deal with myself right now. I don't know what has gotten into me. I'm just as shocked as you are about this run. Um, But honestly, I went to a half marathon this weekend because my sister was running the Hackney Half and it was actually magical. And it makes you, I don't know if you've ever been to like watch a marathon but it makes you wish you were a runner it just makes you wish you were all around a better person do you know what I mean because I'm walking around London literally needing an inhaler to just get by and she's literally like just like running or bougie and that's why I've got a cap on (laughs) and I'm going out for a run and I'm deeply upset about it because I cannot run for shit but I just thought you know what sister rivalry I'm gonna run it in faster in a faster time no, I'm kidding. Um, she's just inspired the shit out of me to like actually pull myself together. I don't know how much you know about my like personal life, but I am the laziest bitch that ever existed. I feel like you'll know this about me. I am minimum effort, maximum reward kind of queen. When I was a fat loss coach, that was literally my gig. It was just like minimum effort, maximum reward. Do you know what I mean? Didn't want you to do anything more than you had to uh, in order to get results. And like, that's kind of the vibe that I take with business now as well. It's like, look, let's just like make this as easy as possible for you and make it as enjoyable as possible. And so therefore running was never my thing. And to be honest, moving was never my thing. (laughs) But I basically just decided like this year. So like last year was like the year I took over my mental health, like the year that I just like took control back of, I took my cap off by the way, because I was just deeply upset about its existence. Um, I'll probably put it back on when I go for a run. Also, side note, whilst we're on the topic, even though we weren't on the topic, I just tangented away from the topic. But um, in terms of like where you put your hair in a cap, someone please explain the logistics of that. Because I'm like, do I put the hair through the loop or is that like peasant behavior now? Do you know what I mean? Is that uncool to put your hair through the little like loop in the cap? Um, Let me know because I need to be a bougie cap wearer. Um, Anyway, back to what I was actually talking about. I feel like last year was the year that I really took control of my mental health um, because I was just a sinking ship daily in my business. And it like it literally bled into every area of my life. Like my relationship suffered, my friendships suffered, my family life suffered, like just my general, like every day to day living suffered. Like I would cry into super noodles because I burnt them a little bit. Yes, I'm that bad at cooking. But like, do you know what I mean? It was just everything was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so last year, the back end of last year, especially, was just the year that I just took control back of like how I lived my life in terms of my headspace, my mindset. Um, You know, I was teaching people about mindset, but I wasn't like, I, I wasn't living by what I knew do you know what I mean it was like it was like you know that whole practice what you preach thing I just wasn't practicing what I preached and so this year I've decided well last week (laughs) but like I have known for a while that I've just been the laziest bitch like I don't move ever like I do about a thousand steps a day I like need an inhaler regularly especially when it gets to like hay fever season my hay fever gets so bad and I just like 
I just can't cope with it. Like my asthma is really shit. Um, even just like my health in general, like my physical health has been so poor the last couple of months. Like I always, I'm always telling you guys that I'm like poorly as hell. I'm always saying on my Instagram how poorly I am. And I'm just like, it's just time to eat a freaking vegetable. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's what I'm doing today. I'm like, right, I'm going out for, I'm going to do couch to 5k. Cause I feel like that's just like the dumb thing when you start running. Um, so I'm going to do that. And I have challenged my brother's girlfriend to do the same thing she did her first couch to 5k uh the other day and with then we went to go and see the half marathon and I was like do you know what I really want to do it like I just I want to prove to myself that I can do something I've never really gone out of my comfort zone in terms of my actual physical health and for me running is hugely out of my comfort zone like it feels embarrassing do you know what I mean it's like I don't know why it's just like such an, an embarrassing thing just like running along the street it's so silly but it's true and so I was just like do you know what I'm gonna do it I'm going to do something that means I have to get uncomfortable because even when I was training at the gym, it's like I'd push and push and push. But like if it got a little bit uncomfortable, I'd pull back a little bit and I'd be like, oh, God, no, don't want to do that. Don't want to don't want to like get red and sweaty and hot. And do you know what I mean? So I, I got a bit more comfortable with that as time went on and I got more confident like training in the gym. But it's just like it's just this is totally out of my comfort zone. So anyway, that was the biggest tangent ever. But basically, I'm going for a run. Uh, and I will report back and let you know how I'm getting on. I might, like, I'm really tempted to start a TikTok on it because I just feel like it's so much fun. Like, I love watching things like that with people, like just seeing their journey. So maybe I'll start a TikTok, who knows? No, no, I'll be mortified. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, this episode today is all about the questions that you have been asking me over the last couple of weeks. Um, I have been saying for ages now that I'm going to do a uh, Q&A episode. And today's the day, bitch. Do you know what I mean? Today's the day we get this podcast episode done uh, with q and I was kind of, do you know what I was doing? I was waiting until it was like episode 20 or something like that, because I was like, it just feels like it needs to be like a roundup episode. But I just thought, you know what? There's so many questions that I get in my DMs. I have rounded up like the best questions. And then some of them are like, I get similar questions. And so I thought I would just like, if I answered one of the questions, then the other question would kind of get answered. Do you know what I mean? So I've just pulled, um, how many are there? There's one, two, three, four, five. Oh my God, I lost count already. 11, 12. Oh my God, 13. We can't have 13 questions. That's like an unlucky number. Does anyone else like refuse to work on a Friday the 13th, by the way, because same. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I'm going to get into these questions. I'm going to try and do it as like a really speed round, like a kind of fast paced Q&A episode. Um, but if you would like me to go deeper into any of these questions, like there's a lot of questions on niching in here. Um, and so I'll probably do a full episode on that really soon. But for now, we're just going to like fire off all of the answers. And then if you want me to go deeper on a thing, if you want me to expand on anything in, a in another episode, then please do drop me a DM and let me know. And on that note, screenshot this episode for me and pop it onto your stories. Let people know you are listening. And I would love you forever if you could leave me a cheeky little review. Five stars, duh. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but like, that would be amazing if you could. Um, Five stars in the review box so that we can reach more people because I'm just, I love doing these episodes for you. I know I've been a little bit off, off, off kilter with these episodes, but we're back in the game, baby. So let's go. Okay. Question number one is finding the balance between selling what people want, brackets, fat loss, versus selling what they need brackets, mindset, body image, and relationship with food. I don't want to disregard what they think they want 
whilst talking about what they actually need. This, by the way, is huge. This is such a big question. And in fact, I, I'm sure, have I done a podcast episode on this before? I've definitely done posts on this before, um, but I can definitely do a full-blown episode on like how to kind of um, sell compassionate coaching and sell kind of like holistic coaching farces, just like the quick fix or the fat loss or the, you know, the shiny content. It's really, really hard to find that balance when you know that people in your world need to heal their relationship with food or to feel confident in their skin without having to rely on weight loss to do it. But if you're in the boat right now where you want to be the compassionate coach, you want to feel like you're really making a difference in the world, but you know that like selling the quick fix fat loss, uh, the shiny is so much easier to pull people in, but you want to do it authentically, then this answer hopefully will help you do that. So the first thing with this that I always tell my clients is own what you do. Like pick what you do. You get to have it as both. And I think there's another question that kind of relates to this as well. But the first thing is just like own your shit, own what you do and own how you do it. And if that isn't coaching like people just to lose weight and just to lose body fat and just to get smaller, own that on your page and let people know that's what you do. You will stand out so much more by telling people that straight up than you will if you like catch them by being like, oh, I can help you lose fat. And then be like, just kidding, bitch. Like we're going to do body image. I used an analogy a couple of weeks ago with a client. And I don't know if I, again, I, I don't know if I did it in a podcast or a post, but I definitely told you about it somewhere. But like, imagine going to get a boob job, right? And you're like, yeah, bitch, I want like triple Fs. Is that even a size? Don't know. <laughs> um, But like, say I go into a doctor's surgery or whatever it's called. What is it called? Like a consultation with a surgeon. And I go, right, I want a boob job. I want like double Gs. Please give me that. Can't wait. So excited. And he's like, yes, sound. I'm going to do that for you. Like amazing news, blah, 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 blah. By the way, imagine if it was Dr. Avery. I know he doesn't actually exist in real life, but like, ugh, I love you, sir. Or even Mark Sloan, but like, plot twist. Okay, no, that's a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, that's Grey's Anatomy, by the way. If you're like, what the hell is she actually going on about? If you haven't seen Grey's Anatomy, bitch, get to know. Um. Anyway, so you go into the surgeon's office. You say, bitch, I want double Gs. He goes, yes, sound. I'm going to give you that. And then you go away, take a few weeks. You're telling all your friends and family. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to get these big bougie tadas. Like, I'm so excited about it. I go into the surgery. I'm like stockings. You know those weird stockings that you have to put on in surgery? You put those stockings on. You're in that gown where your butt's hanging out and you're like, yes, bitch, I'm ready to go. You wake up. You feel like you've been hit by a ton of bricks. I imagine that's how you feel anyway. I haven't had a boob job, but like jealous of those who have. You wake up, you've been hit by a ton of bricks and you look down and it's like, you've got C's. And you're like, excuse me, sir. Why did you not give me what I asked for? And he's like, well, I didn't think that was the right thing for you. Like, you'd be miffed, right? And I think the same is true when you're talking about fat loss to your clients and you're like, yes, I can help you lose fat. I can help you lose fat. But then when they come in, they're actually not like actively losing fat because they need to work on the relationship with food. It's like, be straight up with them at the beginning of your journey. Like on that consultation call or in your DMs, if they're saying, I just want to lose 20 kg and you know that they are really struggling with their relationship with food, that they, you know, feel guilty after eating, that they feel like crap in their body and in their mind. And you know that actually dieting isn't what they need right now or losing fat isn't the, the gig for them right now. 
own that and tell them. They will appreciate your honesty and it means they can make an informed decision if they want to work with you or not. Not every person is going to be a right fit for your coaching and that's got to be okay. Yes, if you do coach fat loss alongside those other things, you get to explain that, but you have to be okay with telling them, look, this isn't the quick fix approach. This is not lose as much weight as possible in the next few weeks. And then, you know, your life will change forever. This is a slower process that is much more sustainable. And my ultimate priority for you is I want to put your health first always. And if I find that whilst we're on the fat loss journey, I am you are not prioritizing your health, you are not putting yourself first, then we will pull back and we will focus on your relationship with food, your body image, and all of the other things that come along with it. Um, in expense of, if needed, your fat loss goals. And so if you're straight up and upfront about that at the beginning, then people will really appreciate you for that. And you will start attracting people that do want to heal their relationship with food. There are so many of those people out there that are sick of dieting, that are done with trying to lose fat or trying to lose fat in a really unhealthy or unsustainable way. And so as, as long as you are super clear on what you do for your people, you will find the people that are right for your coaching. But... I know that a lot of people that are right for, you know, working on their mindset, their body image and their relationship with food don't necessarily know that that's what they need. And so the key with your content is to build problem awareness. It's to talk about this stuff in your content. It's to do posts talking about the fact that like you think you need this. But here's why that's not worked for you in the past, or here's why that's no longer working, or here's why that's not what you really need. I did a post that I've actually pinned to my feed because I know that it's so important for people to hear about the mindset of business. And I'm going to find it so that I can read it to you. So the post is, you think mindset work for business is bullshit until... And then it's like you're overthinking every post and inspiration to create content is on the floor. So you download another content calendar, endlessly scroll your uh, explore page, Google 50 content ideas in your niche. But here's what you don't realize. Your fear of judgment, rejection, getting it wrong is squashing your creativity. And so all of this stuff is like talking about how they're so in their own head about what to post next that they're in comparison mode and they're, they've got imposter syndrome and they're squashing their business because of the limiting beliefs and the mindset shit that they need to unpack in order to grow as a coach. And so like, I'm actively telling you that you don't need another strategy. You don't need a new, you know, system or something like that. You need to do the underlying mindset work in order to grow as a business. And that's what you want to be doing with your content when it comes to fat loss. It's like, you think you want to lose 20 kg and then you'll be happy. But here's what's really going on. You know, I don't know, you're lonely every evening and so you emotionally eat. And so if we can get to the root of the problem of your emotional eating, then you probably wouldn't be gaining so much weight right now. You know, so it's it's being able to find that balance of meshing those two things together and talking about them in a really um, activating way for your people and saying, you know, it isn't all about fat loss and here's why. And so if you can create that problem awareness for them and say, here's what your actual problem is, it isn't the fact that you're overweight or it isn't the fact that you are lazy or it isn't the fact that you're unmotivated or, you know, carrying excess um, pounds. It's the fact that you feel, I don't know, unconfident in yourself and have low self-esteem and that doesn't directly correlate with with uh fat loss and so actually you could you could really do um if you're a like real evidence-based coach which i'm sure you are because you're listening to this podcast and like hello we're compassionate coaches and we want to have all the evidence behind us 
And you've probably got a shit ton of imposter syndrome. And so, of course, you're Googling the shit out of all the research to back up your claims. But like, make sure that you can back it all up and say, you know, there's there's so many studies that say that, you know, um, weight loss doesn't always equal a improved body image. And in fact, focusing on your body and focusing on, you know, the numbers actually can lower your body image. It can create a negative body image. And so if you can use the scientific research to back up the fact that you want to work on body image first or relationship with food, or, you know, if you've got a healthier relationship with food, you naturally tend to have a lower BMI or whatever it is, like anything that, and again, don't quote me on all these things because it's been such a long time since I've like researched all of this stuff. So please don't take my word for that. Go and actually research it and find some evidence that will support or even go against what you're trying to say, just so that you can be the, you know, the most science back person that ever existed but um create that problem awareness for people and really tell them from your experience from your client's experience from the transformations your people get and from the research that actually fat loss isn't um always the best goal to have and if it is you want to be working on those other things alongside it so if you can just talk about that so much in your content your people will resonate with it and they'll understand that the problem isn't necessarily that they need to lose weight the problem is more so that they need to work on all of the underlying things to why they gained weight in the first place so if you can start talking about that sort of stuff in your content your people will really thank you for it Okay, question number two, where are my people at? This one made me giggle because she was like, where are my people at? Um, she said, I need relevant followers since changing niche. So regardless of whether you've changed niche or not, like if there's nobody in your audience or you're not finding that there's people that are the right fit for your coaching in your world, go out and find them. So this queen says, where are my people at? Like, you figure that out based on your niche. So if you look at the people you want to coach, what are they doing every day? Where are they hanging out? What do they love? What do they, um, I don't know, like what do they do as hobbies? What do they do just to like pass time? What activities do they do? Who are they following on social media? When you can find those things, you can get really clear on where those people are going to be hanging out. So it whilst you're creating content, like I'm a big fan of content marketing, but if you are not getting seen by your niche, it's time to come and find them. Like don't be afraid to do a little bit of outreach. Don't be afraid to go and can you tell I've literally just had a coughing fit once if you're finding that people aren't finding you, then go and find them. Go and see where they're hanging out. Go and join a group that all of your dream clients would be in. Do some brand awareness by going on other people's podcasts and just getting yourself out there a little bit more. Go live often. Like going live is one of the best things you can do to build an engaged audience because people, like not many people go live. And if you do, and people join, they're going to start seeing your personality. They're going to start like recommending you to their friends. And so I would definitely, if you're, if you've got like nobody and you don't know where people are, then go and find where they are hanging out. Maybe your people are all like professionals and they're on LinkedIn. Start posting on LinkedIn. Maybe your people are on TikTok. Maybe they're like young or hip or cool or fresh. Okay, I hate myself for saying all those things. But like, maybe they're sassy, like TikTok people. And so go on TikTok and, and start posting on there. And they might end up on your for, for you page. Like the TikTok algorithm is so good for finding your people. Because like you watch one video that's relevant, and all of a sudden, 27,000 other videos that are the exact same sort of content will pop up on your feed. Like it's such a good algorithm for being able to find your people. And even like, if you're there just as a commenter like go into posts where I don't know there's that your dream clients are at and like comment on their stuff if you're in the fat loss niche 
and you're like following a load of people's journeys, comment and say like, this is so good, so inspiring. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like people will go onto your profile and they will go onto your Instagram and they will go and DM you if they if they love what they see on your profile. So, you know, go. don't be afraid to go out and find these people. I'm gonna save the other tips that I've got for one of the other questions, but don't be afraid to just reach out to those people. Go and find where they are. But the step number one of this is to figure out who they are in the first place. I think if you're struggling to figure out who they are, uh, where they are, then you need to figure out who it is you're serving, what they do, you know, where they, where they're at, where they're hanging out, um, how they're feeling, even, even like me, like it, uh, me going for a run today. It's like I'll probably post that somewhere at some point, and I might attract other people that enjoy running. And so it's it's just being able to figure out what they love and what their hobbies are and activities, the things that they do. You know, are they going on nights out? Are they going to the pub? Are they, um, or are they like chilling in, having a cuppa on the sofa? It's like those will attract very different. Uh, even like in your messaging, they will. Uh, you'll be speaking to very different people if you say like. If you always post that you're chilling on the sofa having a cuppa, your people that love chilling on the sofa having a cuppa will resonate with it. If you know that a lot of your girls will be like out having sessions with the girls, like cocktails and going to bottomless brunches and things like that, like post more about you doing that sort of stuff too. And it's like, you don't have to be doing the same stuff. If you can make the posts that you do really speak to the people that you want to attract, and resonate with those people, then they're going to start finding you. Whether you're posting on TikTok where the algorithm's banging for things like that, or you're posting on Instagram, like people will tag other people, people will start resonating with it. It will come up on their explore page if you're talking about something that's relevant to them. So, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people, but also get so clear on what you know your people are doing so that you can use that in your content to start resonating and landing with your dream clients. Okay, so this next question is very similar to the first question, but there's a slight twist on it. So I'm going to answer this one as well. What to do when your niche is mixed? I coach fat loss, but I'm starting to focus more on helping clients with body image and food relationships because that's what's holding my most of my people back. I don't want my message to be one or the other, but I don't want to confuse my audience. So the first thing I'm going to say is like your audience are smart cookies. They are not going to get confused. They are not going to get mixed up. As long as you are clear, they will be clear. So if you're super clear in your messaging, they will be clear on it as well. So if you are trying to marry, and this is why I really wanted to add this question in, because I know a lot of coaches are kind of on that middle ground between fat loss and food relationships and body image and that sort of stuff. And so they want to be able to incorporate both into their messaging. The key is to be able to do both at the same time. So relate each one back to each other. You can, of course, do some that are just solely based on fat loss. You can do some that are solely based on, you know, body image, mindset, relationship with food, that sort of stuff. But if you can marry the two together, that's where the magic really happens. Because like I said in the first uh, answer to the first question, that problem awareness is key, especially for clients that don't understand that their like problem is deeper than just wanting to lose fat. And so the next time you want to do a post, think about how you can relate both into that one piece of content. A great example of this is something like how to love what you see in the mirror whilst losing fat. And then you can talk about how tough it is when you're on a fat loss journey to keep looking in the mirror and seeing the old version of you or seeing a you that you hate. And so talking about how to maybe foster more self-compassion whilst on your fat loss journey is going to be brilliant for helping people get better results. And the studies do show that changing from a place of body uh, neutrality or body positivity 
is far more motivating for people than uh, changing from a place of hatred. Because when you hate your body, you're doing anything to run away from the problem. But when you appreciate your body and you love your body or you just have gratitude for your body, you change from a really positive, empowering and motivating place. And so you naturally want to do the shit required to um, improve your health and to improve your physique. And so you could bust the myth that, you know, uh, being kind to yourself makes you lazy. So loving your body makes you lazy. I did a post on this years ago where it was like talking about how um, you think that loving your body means you won't work to actively change it, but actually working to actively change your body because you love it and appreciate it and value it and want to do best by your body is a much more motivating way to change. And so you can marry the two topics together as long as you're relating them back to each other. Or you could talk about, you know, your favorite body image technique that you teach your clients on their fat loss journey. And again, talk about the importance of improving your body image alongside fat loss. Talk about the benefits of improving your relationship with food whilst you are losing weight. Maybe talk about how fat loss gets to be a fun byproduct of the other stuff that you teach inside your coaching. And so you absolutely get to have both on your feed. I did for a really long time. Like if you scroll far back enough, you will see a few examples um, that you can kind of use in your content. But I think the key, especially to like avoid confusing your audience, is just to be really clear on what you do and how you do it for your people. I hope that helps. Let me know if you have more questions on that. Okay, the next question. How to manage your time better when you're working full-time and building a business as a side hustle whilst also having time for you? You've got to wear so many different hats in general as a business owner, let alone if you've got a full-time freaking job alongside it and you're trying to prioritize your health and your fitness and your mindset and your, you know, self-care. And I wish I could speak on this a little bit further. I might get a guest on to talk about this who, you know, is a little bit more kind of clued up on this because realistically, like, I went straight into owning my business as my full-time job, like when I was like 17, 18. So I can't speak on having a full-time job and running a business, but I know that when I moved from personal training into online coaching, I had a real crossover where it was difficult to kind of, um, you know, still be coaching 50 odd sessions on the gym floor and build up my online business behind the scenes. And so as a fully booked PT, it was really difficult to find pockets of time where I could work on my online business I was really lucky in the sense that all of my PT clients, like I just said to them straight up, I was like, I'm moving online in the next three months. If you want to come with me, great. If not, then love you so much. But like, I'm not going to be PTing anymore. And so I was really lucky that all of my clients wanted to come with me um, because, and I think this is key, build up the, if you're a personal trainer and you're moving into online coaching, it's really easy to think that PT is better but PT is not better than online coaching. And in fact, I definitely came from the angle when I moved as um, to say that like online coaching can give you so much more than PT ever can. Yes, personal training is great for, you know, form and motivation and getting clients to like be encouraged to get into the gym and build confidence in the gym. But your online coaching allows you to manage every inch of their life. And that's the kind of, I guess, like the the pitch that I gave to a lot of my clients was like the results I can get you in four weeks as a, as a personal trainer, I can get you in a week as a coach because I'm not just managing one hour of your week. I'm looking at every single inch of your week and helping you improve in your nutrition, in your training, in your mindset, in everything that comes along with it. And so like to me, online coaching was so much of like a no brainer for people to move into because they were getting the exact same level of support for the same, uh, uh, 
sorry, they were getting the so much more support for the exact same amount of money, sometimes cheaper if my clients were doing like three or four sessions a week. But that was a little bit of a tangent. So let's go back to managing your time as when you're full time in your business. I think the the first thing to think about is like, find the pockets of time that you do have. I have a lifestyle planner that I give to all of my clients that helps them map out, map out the white space in their calendar. So any pockets of time where they're actually not doing anything or they're filling it with like productive procrastination. So I would make sure that I am looking at my schedule and seeing if there is any white space. Then I would prioritize my own stuff first. Like I'm going to say it. I probably wouldn't have done this if when I was just starting out, if I'd have moved from a full-time job because I was really like all in on building a business. I'm very kind of like business brained. That's not a word, but we're rolling with it. But nowadays, now that I've like can see in hindsight a little bit more, you have to put yourself first and your business gets to come second. So the best thing that I can uh, say to you right now is like all of the stuff that you're doing for yourself kind of ties into what you would be doing as a coach. So, you know, going for your run or going to the gym or uh, making your meals, like doing meal prep, things like that, going for your walks, all of that sort of stuff. You get to document that as you go. And this is the best way, especially when you're creating content, because creating content when you're first starting to build as a side hustle is going to be your main gig because you don't have loads and loads of clients to serve. So you've got the time, you need to make the time to be creating content fast. So the creation, the content creation process can come by documenting your day. And this is, again, a tip that I'm going to kind of revisit um, later in this episode. But if you are documenting your day, you can use that for your uh, real covers. You can use that as B-roll or backgrounds or stories and stuff like that. So if you're documenting your day, you've got a ton of footage to work with when you're creating content and you're being present on stories because you're literally just documenting what you're doing. And so that's something that's going to cut a lot of content creation time down. Um, and like, I think the the thing to remember is like, you're probably just going to be working a lot more. You're probably going to have to make some sacrifices in your life. You know, you're probably not going to be able to go on date nights as much, or you're going to say no to a lot of friends, a lot of events, things like that, because you're going to be prioritizing building a business. But the more time you dedicate to building your business alongside your full-time job now, the less you have to do that later, because the the sooner it will be that you can kind of quit that full-time job. So, you know, the sooner you you match your income or the sooner you get to a place where you've got enough money saved up that you can quit your job without it feeling like, I don't know, scary or or um, uncertain. And so if you've got that safety net there of building up a few clients fast and having that ticking along and, you know, earning enough money to support that, then you can quit your full-time job or go part-time in your job to free up a little bit more space. But for right now, if you're trying to juggle both, you've got to find just the pockets of time um, to be able to actually do the stuff that's required to grow your business. So the first thing that I would do, and in fact, you know what, I'm going to leave a link to the lifestyle planner in the show notes for you to download just so that you can like manage your time a little bit more and find those bits of white space that are going to be important for being able to find that time to work on your business. So that's the first step is finding the time in your week to schedule in things. Um, And then actually, I would recommend reading uh, Working Hard, Hardly Working by Grace Beverly, because she's got so many like productivity hacks and tools and tips for being able to find the balance between like 
working hard and hardly working and B, um, be able to like prioritize the things that really need to get done, be able to have conversations with your team and with your, you know, your bosses and things like that to make sure that you are, you know, working at your capacity and you're working efficiently so that you free up a little bit more time for you and, you know, for your mental headspace as well so that you're not doing too much. But yeah, the biggest tip that I can give is really just documenting what you're doing as you're doing it. And so if you're, you know, doing your gym session, film your gym session and then use that for your content. Um, And then with clients, sorry, my boyfriend's texting me saying that I missed a parcel, like, bitch, I'm busy. And the other side of that as well, I don't know where I was because my boyfriend keeps interrupting me, but the other side of this as well, of like being able to have time for you is document that too. Like part of building a business is building a brand and part of building a brand is helping people see who you are through to the core. And so like having time for you, like document that with people and like tell people what you're doing. If you're going out and seeing friends, if you're having a coffee date with your mom, if you're, you know, even just chilling on the sofa, having a cup of tea, I love that example, but you know, being able to do those things and document that on your stories and stuff like that will be really like, it it will really resonate with people and it will really like make you super relatable. So like definitely document those things as well. And that's like in terms of content creation and helping people like gain clients from this. But if you're looking at actual like the stuff in the business, so finding time to like serve clients and things like that, you've got to make your offer work for you as well. And so something that I do with my clients when they very first come to me is looking at like how they can tweak their offer to make it work for them in their life a little bit more. So I see a lot of coaches doing check-ins on a Sunday and I'm like, dude, if sure, if that works for you and that's brilliant, perfect. But like, if you don't want to work on a weekend, like you don't have to work on a weekend find a day that is maybe like a a better day for you to be able to do check-ins. If you are doing calls with your clients, like, can you reduce the amount of calls you give them? You know, most people don't actually need to have a call every single week. And it's actually a ball like for you and them to be providing a call every single week. And so can you change to like video check-ins or voice note check-ins or text form feedback check-ins, that sort of stuff? You know, can you schedule a call a month instead that might be much more valuable for them and much more intentional for them and for you? So, you know, you don't have to do things the way that you've seen them done. If you want to do things your way, that's maybe slightly different, test it and trial it. Like the the blessing that you've got is you've got, because you've got that full-time job, you've got the flexibility to be able to trial and error things without it having so much weight and impact to it. You know, you can test whether, um, you know, once a month calls instead of uh, once a week calls are a better fit for you and your business. You can test whether doing uh, check-ins via text or voice notes is better than doing video ones like you know you can kind of trial and error these things and figure out what works for you and for your clients and so don't be afraid to experiment a little bit with what's going to fit your schedule I think if you're full-time the the best kind of check-in process you can use with your clients is doing something where like they fill in either a form or a check-in video or a voice note or something like that the day before and then you do the response for it the next day and it means that you've got so much more flexibility so when you do it throughout the day so for example if you're working a nine-to-five then your clients can check in on, I don't know, say a Thursday 
um, before midnight, and then you get to respond to them on Friday once you've finished work. And it means that there's no expectation to, you know, get the check-in done early. You just set it out really clear in the expectations when you first, when they first come on board with you. And you let people know when you're going to be available, when you're not going to be available. Um, you know, even your call schedules and stuff like that. You can really tailor this to suit you. Your business is meant to fit in with your lifestyle, not what like pandering to what clients want most, you will find that when you are strict with your boundaries and you set really clear expectations for you and for your clients, they will honor that. Like if you don't do calls after 5 p.m., your clients will find a time at 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. or 9 a.m. to get that call with you. Like we we feel like we have to kind of really um, cater to our clients' needs. But at the end of the day, like it's a privilege that your clients get to work with you to change their life. They will if they want it and they want to, you know, do this coaching experience with you. They will do it whenever suits you. Like one of my mentors, she lives in Canada and she does her calls at 10 p.m. And I'm like, bitch, I want to be in bed or like on the sofa, probably cuddling my dog at 10 p.m. I don't want to be sitting in my office on a call, but I'm sure as shit going to show up to those calls because I know that like I really value her time. And so I'm going to make sure that I show up regardless. And so people will fit in with your the way that you do things um, and how you do them and when you do them. And they will honor that for you as long as you are really clear with the expectations and the boundaries that you are setting. And so that's another thing that I would do is set some really clear boundaries for you and for your clients of when you're going to work and how you're going to work and then stick to that at all costs. So I hope that helps. But what I'm going to do is find an expert. If anybody knows somebody that would be a really good fit for this conversation, then let me know. But I'm going to do a little bit of research for you and find somebody who helps coaches go full time as an online coach from a full time job. So yeah, keep an eye out for that episode. I will make sure that happens in the near future. Okay, so the next one is how to handle rejection when a potential client says no. Oh, I love this. So the first thing I want you to understand is why they're saying no. So there's usually two reasons. They genuinely can't afford it yet, or they don't see the value in why they should join. They're kind of the two reasons why somebody wouldn't buy from you. Um, so if it's the if it's the first one, then great, you get to say, look, no worries, you know, come back to me when you're ready or find something that's going to be perfect for them that's maybe at a lower price range. And we'll talk about that in a second. But if it's the latter, if it's that they don't see why they should join, it means that they they don't see the value in it right now for them. Um, So they don't see that you are the person to help them get the result they need. So it usually just means that there's unanswered questions or they're not super clear on the outcome or the process. So make sure that you're handling objections in your content and you're answering all of those questions that they might have in your content and like feel okay with asking them why they don't feel like it's the right time or the right fit for them as well. And like, don't be like, bitch, why? Like you need to join my coaching. Like you need to um, change your mind. So I'm going to help you change your mind by asking you like, why? I don't know. <laughs> like why you don't want to be with me, but it's more so just like, you know, you, and you can even explain this to them. Like, I'd love to just like tweak the way that I provide my service so that I can make sure that more clients like you who do need my help get to have my help. So, you know, I can tweak my service or I can tweak my messaging or, you know, add a step in in the journey 
aka you know building out a product suite which we can talk about in a second um to make sure that there is a fit for people to come into your world and so if somebody is saying that they aren't gonna uh, join with you or that it's not the right time or things like that you can start creating content that actively kind of goes against that so you can say you know there is no right time to start or bloody blah, blah or like you're waiting for a clear run all of that sort of stuff but also I think that that's a really um it's a it's a really common cop-out reason as to why somebody wouldn't work with you because they're just unclear on what the result is that you actually get them. So they don't believe that you can get them the result they need. Um, and so I would spend a lot of time in your content doing those handling objection posts where it's basically, you know, um, going through your process, your step-by-step, explaining to them what the value is in your coaching, like really getting clear on that value. I have a, a training for my clients called Value Overload that is on the... Um, value equation from Alex Hormozzi's book, $100 million offers. I actually did a podcast episode on it recently. So go back a few episodes and um, listen to that. I'm not sure which episode it was, but it will be, it will have value in the title, I'm sure, like creating a valuable as hell offer or something like that. But when I was saying like, add something into your journey, that means that there's a stop for them. So basically looking at packing out your product suite a little bit more. And again, I I think we're going to talk about this in in one of the other answers to one of the questions. But like, if they if you find that you're getting a lot of people that can't afford your coaching, really, like that doesn't mean drop your prices. No, 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 your prices are your prices. And they get to be your prices, people will pay them and your service gets to be valuable, valuable enough to charge your worth. But what you can do is add something else to your product suite. So maybe you add a one-off training that covers a topic that maybe like a lot of people need. And maybe you have a mini course that people can run through that that covers the foundations of something you teach. Um, Maybe there's something that is going to be really helpful for a lot of people as they start their journey until they can afford to work with you one-on-one or until they build enough trust in you that you can get them the results. So for example, I had... Uh, in my fat loss business, I had a breakup with a scales masterclass, which was so valuable for so many people that were really struggling with their relationship with the scales. And it helped give enough trust for a lot of people that they then came into my world for coaching afterwards, because they understood the value of coaching by that point, And they understood that I was the person for them. Um, another one that I did was the what was it love your body oh my god this was such a huge one it was called what was it called like love your body um the real secret to loving your body I don't know it was basically a body image masterclass, and again it was such a good way to have some people come into my world to feel great about themselves to get that quick win and to see the value of my coaching a little bit more and, and how I run things how I do what I do how I speak how I teach all of that sort of stuff some people just need a little bit more of that before they buy from you um and so stuff like that would be great and also on that note like those were both free, I think. And then I I charged like, you know, 20 odd pounds for them. So they were super duper cheap things. Um, But you could also start running a group program. If you know that there's a couple of people that have said no, because they can't afford it, consider doing like a real custom package for maybe a small close knit group of people, maybe like five to 10 people in a mini group experience. That's a bit of a hybrid between group coaching and one to one. So that it is super um, tailored, it is super personalized. But it's like a a better price point for the people that genuinely can't afford your service. And so you get to kind of like make different offers that do um, 
have a place for people to come in on at a lower price range until they can afford it, until they've maybe saved up or until they've understood the value of it a little bit more, until they've, you know, made it a priority. You know, so many people that will spend, I spend like 50 to 100 pounds a week on takeaways. And like, I know if I cut that down, I'd be able to afford more coaching. I'd be able to afford personal trainer, but I don't want to do that. And so, you know, even doing stuff like that in your content, not even saying, you know, not saying the the gross posts that are like, "Mm, you spend this on coffee, but you should spend it on coaching. It's like, no, but you can talk about the fact that like your takeaways might be fudging you over. And, um, you know, talking about how maybe if you reduce the amount of takeaways you were having, you would reduce the amount of, um, I don't know, days where you feel sluggish. You would feel a lot more motivated to kickstart your health journey. Like I had a salad yesterday and I was like, I'm the bougiest goddess health bitch that ever existed. And it's like things like that. Like you could talk about that in your content. Like the more healthful foods you eat, the more motivated you are to do other health seeking behaviors. And so your, your takeaways might be fudging your weekends over because you already feel like you've messed up. And so you spend the rest of the weekend, you know, overeating on all of the other stuff to start again on Monday. And so that's why your takeaways aren't really the best option. And they're, you know, they're costing you 50 pound a week that you could spend on bettering your health for the next few months to get to a place where you do feel like you can do it alone. So that you know everything you need to know to, you know, progress in the future, blah, 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 blah. I hope you're writing a few notes because I feel like there's content gold coming in here. Um, So definitely feel free to just steal all of these ideas and like make them better than what I've just kind of reeled off because they came from the top of my brain. Um, but the next thing that I want you to think about in in the kind of client saying no and the rejection that's you know it's really common in the coaching industry. I think it's I think it's unheard like unspoken about. Um, a lot of coaches will be like, or a lot of mentors will say like, you know, how to get clients to say fudge yes daily, like how to never hear no again, you know, um, how to get clients flooding your DMs and flooding your service. And it's like, actually, like, it's really common for people to say no, especially when you're just starting out and you're not super confident on sales calls, or, you know, you're not quite sure how to really get clear on your messaging and things like that. Like, hearing no isn't as uncommon as coaches make you believe. And when people say, you know, I've got a hundred percent, I know a coach that preaches and he has done since I met him, um, that he has a 100% conversion rate. And I'm like, bullshit, dude. Like, no, you don't. You are totally bullshitting people here. And it's like, actually no's are much more common than you think. And so like, don't feel bad about those no's. Don't take them personally. Remember a no is either a not yet or a not you. And that is okay. Not everyone is going to be a great fit for your offer or even your vibe. Like some people might just say no because they just don't connect with you. Like I said no to a coach a couple of months ago and usually I just say yes anyway because I'm too much of a people pleaser to like say, actually, no, you're not what I need right now. So I'm going to pay you a grand anyway. Um, But I actually said no to someone because I was like, look, I just don't find her vibe. Like I don't like her vibe. Like she just wasn't like, I I love her vibe on Instagram. And then I spoke to her over a Zoom call and I was like, oh, like I don't actually feel like she's authentic. I, I'm, I get a strange vibe from her. And so I just said no. And it's like, sometimes that's okay that someone just doesn't vibe with you, but send them away with love and keep searching for the yes. So that no is either a not you or a not yet. Um, I think I got from Lisa Bill Hughes. I can't remember her freaking book. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like white with pink kind of graffiti style writing. And it's about confidence. And it's, it's, she goes on about the no is either a not you or not yet. Um, 
And like the, the not yet is like, okay, great. You get to send them away with love and you get to kind of wait for them to come back to you when the time is right for them on their own timeline and trust that their timeline is important. Like, I don't want you to be convincing people to say yes. I want people in your world that are sold on you and that are convinced that you're the right fit for them and that really want to be in your world. If you have to convince someone and you have to really persuade someone and you have to, you know, go back and forth with them and say like, why did you say no? Like, I'm going to make you say yes. Then they're not going to feel great about being in your world. And so they're not going to be a good fit for your coaching because they're not going to get the results because they're going to resent working with you because you force them to say yes. So like let them go away and come back in their own timeline and don't make it mean anything about you when they do say no. Like if they say no, it could be for a million different reasons and it doesn't have to mean anything about you. As soon as you make it mean something about you as a coach, you start to spiral into self-doubt mode, imposter syndrome, make it mean that like you're not good enough. And like, that's just no energy to show up in for your next call because that next person on your next call might be so excited to work with you, but because you're scared that they're going to say no, you don't show up with the same energy. That might be where like the coach that I said, I just didn't vibe with was that. It's like, she might've just had a couple of no's and like, let it get to her. And then she thought that I wasn't going to say yes. And so when I was there and buzzing and excited to work with her, she was just showing up in different energy. Like there's so many different reasons behind it. So yeah, I think just staying your power regard and allow that no to be okay because somebody will say yes there is for every single no there is a yes I promise you you've just got to keep searching for it okay the next question how to stop worrying about what other coaches are doing I know that it's unhelpful and I should just focus on what I'm doing but when I see other coaches doing well it makes me feel like I can't do it okay this is the queen of comparison posts like I have done so many pieces of content on comparing yourself to other coaches think I've even done a few podcast episodes on it or there's definitely like times in every single podcast where I've spoken about comparison as a coach but somebody doing well means that it's possible for you too and that's what I want you to take away from um, the comparison is to let it inspire you let it empower you let it show you that it's possible the more you focus on them the less space you give to focus on yourself and your own business. Like if you want to make it like them, if you want to be as good as them, if you want to be as impactful as them, shut them out. Like put your blinders on and pour the energy you're using to um, look at what they're doing and pour that into your own stuff. Like water your own grass, bitch. You know what I mean? There is room for us all here. If you make it mean that you are not good enough because someone else is doing better, you will never get better as a coach. If you make it mean just because somebody else is doing really amazingly on Instagram, if you make it mean that your content isn't good enough, your stuff isn't good enough, your coaching isn't good enough, then you will never get good enough and you will never um, build a successful business because you'll be too focused on what other people are doing to really like um pour your energy into your own shit I'm such a sucker for it I've done it my entire coaching life from a baby coach all the way up to even as a mentor sometimes I will look at other people's stuff and I'll be like oh my god like they've got this amazing community and there's little me you know with my couple of queens absolutely smashing it but like we're such a small circle and I want to be big and I want to make a huge impact and then I remind myself that like I'm on a different timeline to that person. It doesn't have to mean something about me just because they're smashing it. If they can do it, then I can too. There is not oversaturation in this industry, despite what we all keep telling ourselves. As long as you are focusing on your own shit, you will stand out, you will make a difference and you will build a business that makes a big impact for people. 
But the more that you are looking at what other people are doing, the more your message gets squashed, the more your creativity gets squashed, the more your confidence gets squashed, and the less likely you are to actually build that successful business. And so I need you to put your blinders on and I need you to just stay in your lane and do your own shit. And I know that's such generic, vague, boring advice. And you kind of know that, but I need you to just start practicing what you preach and implementing it. What would you tell a client if they were comparing their progress to another one of your clients? You know, say you post a transformation of Becky on your feed and you're like, oh my God, look at Becky. She's lost 12 kg in the last week. Like amazing. And then your client DMs you and she's like, but, but I haven't lost that. Like what's, what, what, what am I not doing? Like what, what am I doing wrong? You would say to her, like, look, she's on a different journey with you. She's got a totally different life to you. You know, she um doesn't have three kids and a full-time job. She's a stay at home, um, I don't know, she's got a rich husband and he does all the work and she stays in and just like does the housework and that's it. And so she's got the time to go out to the gym every day. She's got the time to be preparing really healthy meals, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's just on a totally different journey to you. Um, Maybe she had more to lose, you know, maybe she was a a larger, um, in a larger body. And so it was easier for her to lose that that significant amount of weight, but you don't even have that much to lose. So, you know, you're comparing two very different people at two very different starting points on two very different journeys. And it's the same with you as a coach. Like you might be a coach who is absolutely bossing it, but you've got online clients and you've got PT clients and you're I don't know, uh, you've got three kids and you've got a bloody life to maintain and you've got a partner that loves you and wants to spend time with you. And so you're juggling all of those things. But the person that you're comparing yourself to maybe doesn't have kids. Maybe she doesn't have a partner. Maybe she like loves to work and she works like constantly. She's on her laptop until 1am. Like you don't want that life. Let that be okay. And maybe you have the same life outwardly, but internally, like maybe she's miserable. You have no idea the amount of coaches I speak to that have got successful businesses on paper. Hello, I was one of them. They've got successful businesses on paper, but they're miserable in their life. They've got no friendships left. Maybe they've let their relationship suffer. Maybe that like their Instagram is a total fallacy. Maybe like they don't actually have a successful business. They're just making it look like they do so that they can get more clients, but maybe they're actually struggling. A lot of the influencers you see, for example, don't actually have great, you know, really successful businesses. They're struggling to get clients. And so if you think that someone is smashing it, like A, not all is all is not what it seems. Not all is, not everything is what it looks like on Instagram. Remember it's a highlight reel, but also they might've just been doing it for a little bit longer. They might have somebody in their pocket that's helping them um, create their posts. They might have somebody doing their posts for them and doing their marketing for them. Like you're just totally not in the same position that anybody else is in, regardless of whether it looks like you're matched externally, like allow your journey to be your own and focus on what you are doing And don't let anybody else's success mean that you are failing. That is the number one thing in your business right now is like, don't let that comparison eat you alive. Because if you do, you will suffer for it. Your business will suffer for it. Your client experience will suffer for it. And you will end up feeling like you failed every single day. So I need you to focus on what you're doing. And I need you to celebrate yourself as much as you, you know, put all of these other people on pedestals. I've learned over my last kind of eight, eight odd years in this industry is that like there is nobody in this industry that deserves to be on a pedestal not me not my coaches not my mentors not other coaches in this industry not coaches that are smashing it doing million dollar freaking years or million pound months like 
nobody gets to be put on a pedestal. Everybody has their own shit and you've just got to focusing on uh, focus on doing your own shit and staying in your lane and making room for yourself to thrive in this industry, regardless of what other people are doing. Like what other people are doing shouldn't even come into it, shouldn't even play a role. Okay, that was a big fat waffle. I feel like I've got so many more questions to answer, but I feel like I've been doing this for so long. I think I'm going to do a part two. Um, So I love you so much. Go and have a fabulous week. Let me know if this episode was helpful for you. Let me know which piece of advice kind of banged the most for you and really hit you hard. Um, But I love you so much. Go and have the best week ever. And I will chat to you in part two.